0: Good morning. <laughs> Sorry. Let's pray before we look into God's word. Gracious Father, we give you thanks, Lord, that we can come together as your body, that we can come together corporately to worship and to lift up the name of your Son. Lord, we give you thanks, Lord. Um, that in this church, Lord God, the gospel is of first importance. And we hear of your goodness and your mercy towards us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And he gave his life willing for us. And the hope that we have as a church in the risen Christ, we give thanks to you, Father. We pray that you would bless this time in your word, That you would enlighten your truth, that you would encourage us through the scriptures, Lord God. And we pray that all the focus would be on the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Well, good morning. The title of this morning's message is Work A Reflection of God's Character, Part Two. I invite you to turn with me in God's Word to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. And of course, this being Labor Day weekend, I thought this message would be appropriate for us to look together at. The average worker will work full-time from the age of 22 years to 67. That's 45 years of our life spent working. On the average of 47 hours a week... Invested into work, and that's if we're lucky. That's not including the honey-do list. That's not including taking care of the yard and all the other things we find ourselves doing. So work is a major portion of our lives. Although it is a constant reality in our lives, most people have no concept of the value of work wherever we work, day in and day out, whether it's within the home, outside the home, self-employed, whatever it is we do daily in our lives, it matters to God. And studying and preparing for exams and pursuing careers is also part of working, working hard, putting the time in. In fact, These things are a divine calling in our lives. Understanding that Christians have historically been the most creative and the most successful workers. That's what I want to examine together in this Lord's Day. I want us to see several passages, but specifically two in the book of Ephesians that will provide sort of framework of our study today Now, we are going to review, very briefly, last week's two principles in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. Then we will continue into our passage for today in Ephesians 6, verses 5 through 8. And thanks to the church office, there should be an outline uh, in your church bulletin. From these two passages in Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus we discover several key points about our work or our vocation. So let's look at these principles together. We read in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with the one who has need. Now, just briefly, the context here Paul is illustrating is the process of practical or progressive sanctification. If as believers we are going to overcome sin habits in our lives, we can't just stop doing these things within our own strength. Instead, we need to replace those sin patterns with positive virtues found in God's Word. And the virtue that replaces stealing is work. But what Paul teaches in verse 28 isn't just for those who are tempted to steal. In fact, the second half of verse 28 spells out for us the first two principles about work that every Christian must understand. Let's review them together. Principle number one. Work is a command a divine gift, and a reflection of God's character. Now this is implied within the context of this verse. It's in this verse we learn about the origin and nature of our work. Verse 28 says, Rather, instead of stealing, the Christian must labor. Now understand this, whether you struggle with stealing or not, and... Stealing takes on many forms. It's not just taking something from something, somewhere. It can be putting time in that you didn't work. It's taking something from work and bringing it home. It's maybe copying some answers off of a test so you can have it for your test. It, it takes on many forms. So this is just not about stealing. All of us as believers are called to put on the virtue of hard work. Psalm 128.2 says, When you eat of the fruit of your hands, you will be happy, and it will be well with you. Work is a divine gift through which God bestows His blessings on us. So Christian brothers and sisters, understand the importance of work. It's a command from God. It's a divine gift and a reflection of the very character of God himself. And last week we really expounded on that and brought a lot of stuff in. Principle number two, we must work for biblical reasons. We must work for biblical reasons. Look at verse 28 again. He must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with the one who has need. Now that's really important because most people work only for themselves and their own families. They work hard for their own comforts and financial success. But for the Christian, those things cannot be the only things that we work for. There are four more, com- far more compelling biblical reasons to work than just those. A couple of those compelling reasons are here in this text, so let me just briefly point them out to you. First reason, you need to first work for the care of your own needs and enjoyment. Paul says in First Thessalonians four eleven through twelve, work with your own hands so that you will not be in any need. Our work is to meet our needs. But the Bible also says that what we earn by the work of our hands is also to be used for our enjoyment. God is so gracious and generous to us. Ecclesiastes 18 verse 19. Ecclesiastes 5, verses 18 and 19 says, Here's what I have seen to be good and fitting, Solomon writes, to eat and to drink and to enjoy oneself in all one's labor in which he toils under the sun during the few years of his life which God has given him. For this is his reward. In First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, he says, Instruct those who are rich in this present world to fix their hope on God. Then he adds this, Who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. We are to work hard to meet our own needs and enjoy the fruit of our labor as God's good gift to us. That's where it starts. The second reason we should work hard to benefit others Your job benefits other people around you. In fact, your labor is part of God's common grace to his creatures to make their lives better in a fallen world. In our passage in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, God's word says, working with his own hands what is good. The gifts and abilities God has given us blesses directly or indirectly all people around us. Matthew five forty five says, For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. Third reason, we are to work to provide for our dependents. Colossians uh, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14 says, Children are not responsible to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. 1 Timothy 5, 8 says, If anyone does not provide for his own, and especially those of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. We have a responsibility for those who, dependence that God has put in our lives. The fourth reason we are to work is so that we can give to others in need. Back in our text in Ephesians 4 verse 28, it says he must labor, performing with his hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with the one who has need. That's what we do. We bless others as God has given us, when we see somebody in need, we give to others. Hebrews thirteen sixteen says, Do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Quick little story here. All praise be to God, many, many years ago. Feels like forever. We had a pool in the back corner of our property that <laughs> had... ever trees over it, stuff used to fall in the pool. Every time he went to go in the pool, it was ice cold. And we just joined the church a few years before, and we learned about getting together with God's people and having their families over, and the children jumping in the pool. And I hear all the time, the pool is freezing, the pool is freezing. So the pool eventually went. So Sherry and I were discussing whether we should replace it or what we should do. So we, we prayed about it. That's what Christians do. We, we prayed about it. And we asked God, you know, if this is something we should do. And we both agreed that if we were going to relocate this pool in the middle of our yard and spend all that money, it would be for God's glory, that it would be part of our fellowship, that we would intentionally invite families over with children and use that pool for fellowship, for the, for the uh, breaking of bread, and the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we would be able to share that, that God has given us to others. And God blessed it. And that yard was full, right? Almost like every weekend. All praise to God. But that's what it is. It's using what God has given us, so richly blessed us, and giving to others sharing that blessing with others. The fifth reason to work is to advance Christ's kingdom through the church. Matthew 6, verse 20, Jesus says this, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. Sixth reason. Hard work is a testimony for our Lord to people who do not know Christ. Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light shine among men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. How you work in the workplace either adorns the gospel or detracts from the beauty of the gospel. I remember working in a um, a place where there was a guy that really talked the talk, and uh, I tried to become friends with him. And then I found out through the people that worked around us that when the coffee truck came, he had a debt with the coffee truck guy that he never used to pay his bill for. And, and, And then he had a witness that he would sometimes act like a Christian, and then sometimes he would be just spewing out profanity and talk, and I was like, what is... What is with this guy? I mean, where is the testimony of Christ in this life? And those people around us, because now I'm there, and I'm trying to to do what God calls me to do, to be a light in darkness. And that's what, uh, oh, yeah, Johnny over there, you know, he doesn't pay. I said, I understand that. I said, pray for Johnny, but that's not what the Bible teaches, and that's not what walking with Christ looks like. Johnny was still walking around with the old garments he still was wrestling with the old man. And he wasn't, um, he wasn't being a good witness and testimony for Christ. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to bring beauty to the gospel. We're called to bring beauty to God who loved us so much and sent His only beloved Son. And He took on our sin and our shame and our guilt and He paid the price in full so that you and I can stand before God with confidence, knowing that Jesus Christ paid it all for us. He did everything for us in His great love and His great mercy towards us. That's the witness that we need to have in our workplace, in our school, in our careers, wherever God has given us the gifts and abilities to serve Him. The final reason working hard brings glory to God 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31 says, "Whether whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. This includes work. These are some biblical reasons that we are to work hard to be a reflection of God's character. Well, that concludes our review from last week. So let's turn to Ephesians 6, verses 5 through 8. As we look at work, a reflection of God's character, part two. Ephesians chapter six, verses five through eight. And this is Labor Day, so I'm not going to have you stand. I'm (laughs) going to read this passage of scripture. Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh. With fear and trembling... In the sincerity of your heart as to Christ, not by the way of eye service as men-pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will render service as to the Lord, and not to men, knowing that whatever good things each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord." whether slave or free. Now, the other principles I want you to see are found in this passage of Scripture. In verse 5, we read, Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh. In this verse, we see this word, slaves. This is obviously a passage written primarily to them. As many as a third of the people in these large cities like Ephesus, to which Paul writes, were slaves. I want to briefly explain what the New Testament teaches concerning slavery. Here are four brief points concerning our study of this passage. Number one, the New Testament condemns the kidnapping of free-born individuals, for the purpose of slavery. 1 Timothy 1 verse 10 uses the word kidnappers or slave traders. It says they kidnap for the purpose of enslaving them. In other words, the New Testament completely outlaws the American institution of slavery. Number two, the New Testament establishes The spiritual equality of all men. Galatians chapter 3 verse 28 says, There is neither slave nor free man, for you are all one in Jesus Christ. All believers are one in Christ in the New Testament. Number three, the New Testament sets a high value on individual freedom. In 1 Corinthians 7, verses 21 through 24, Paul teaches that if a slave could not change his condition of slavery, he was to be content in his circumstances. However, if he could gain his freedom through legal means, then he should pursue that freedom. Number four. The New Testament explains how slaves and masters, just in the reality that existed, should treat one another, which we will be looking at in our third principle. However, tragically, slavery continues to exist in our world today, and we need to admit that truth. There's sexual slavery, work slavery, financial slavery, but by God's grace, you and I, thank God, don't live in that system. Still understand this. This passage is applicable to us. Paul says it is. Look at verse 8. He says, listen, the principles I have put here are true, whether you are a slave or free. In other words, it is legitimate to apply these principles in this passage To every person that works, whether they work as a slave, which none of us do, or free, which all of us do by God's grace. So let's look at these principles in the second passage found in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. Principle number three when we work as believers, we must submit to our boss out of respect for Christ. Look at verse 5. Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh. In other words, manifest a pattern, a habit of uninterrupted obedience. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 22, which will be acting as our parallel passage for this message, it says this. In all things... Obey those who are your earthly masters. Now, of course, as with our human authorities, your boss's authority over you ends when it conflicts with God's authority in Scripture or with the higher human authority of government. You don't have to obey your employer if your employer tells you to do something that is illegal or to do what the Bible explicitly forbids, or not to do what the Bible explicitly commands. Now understand this. Since you are an employee and not a slave, as the ones Paul was primarily writing to here, you can always change your job. So as long as you work for somebody, You must submit to their lawful commands and respect them. Well, you may say, well, my boss doesn't demand, doesn't deserve respect. Well, look at verse 5. To be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling. Now, every time Paul uses that expression outside of this text, with fear and trembling, it's always referring to. To God. So understand this. He says we should obey the commands of those in authority over us in the workplace, not out of fear and trembling for them, but out of fear and trembling for God. This truth is even more clearer in our parallel passage in Colossians 3, verse 22, where it says this Obey those who are your masters on earth, fearing the Lord. Principle number four, you must do your work with integrity. Do your work with integrity. Notice the end of verse five, in sincerity of heart as to Christ. This has to do with pure motives. In other words, what's going on in your heart is what matters to God. Colossians 3.17 says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to Him, to God the Father. Principle 5. You must work with your whole heart. Verse 6. Not by the way of eye service as men-pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Paul just sticks these two words together. And it refers to a person who does his work solely to catch the eye of his boss. It's serving that person well as long as they're watching. But then cutting corners and being lazy when they're not around. Before I was saved, I used to do that. I used to do it a lot. A lot of these things applied to me before God transformed me from the inside out. That's called eye service. Now notice this, eye service is the behavior, but the deeper problem is at the heart level. We're only trying to please man. Now, please don't miss the, understand this. That doesn't mean we're doing it for their sake, to please them in a good sense. We're trying to please them for our own sake. For our own profit. Instead Paul says don't be like that. Look at verse 6. We should work as slaves of Christ. And when we do that we will be doing the will of God from the heart. If you work for Christ. Your tasks are God's will. And therefore we should do it with all our soul as to the Lord. Rather than. Than men. Again, we see this in our parallel passage in Colossians 3, verse 22. Whatever you do, do your work heartily, as for the Lord, rather than men. Principle six. You must work for your employer's best interest. Work for your employer's best interest. Verse seven says, with goodwill rendering service. These words with goodwill means with a spirit of good will towards whom towards your employer Paul says serve your employer with a genuine concern for their good that he would prosper and that he would come to know the Lord principle number 7 we work for Jesus our lord we work for Jesus, our Lord. Look at verse 7 again. But the good will rendering service as to the Lord and not to men. He says in verse 5, to Christ. Verse 6, as slaves of Christ. And verse 7, as to the Lord. Do you see what Paul is saying? He's saying, do what you do every day, as though Jesus were your employer. Let me ask you this question. If Jesus was your direct supervisor, your boss, would be would we be better employees than we are today? What changes would we, would we make? Listen, it's not make believe to think that Jesus is our boss. Paul says it's a reality. Principle 8, our Lord will reward every legitimate task. This is amazing. Look at verse 8. It says, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. Let's notice the wording here. The word knowing. This should be common knowledge among Christians. The words, each one. This refers to every believer without exception. Paul says, whatever good thing one does. In other words, whatever tasks, our, whatever tasks our, our life looks like day in and day out. Whether they're large or whether they're small. And then he concludes with this. This he will receive back from the Lord. In other words, the Lord will reward you. I find this passage of Scripture to be a real encouragement to me. Why? Because our bosses, our wives, our husbands, our parents, our teachers, often miss a lot of the ways that we contribute to our grades, to our careers, to our lives, to our families. They're missed. But we know that somebody does not miss them. Our Lord sees everything, and he's with us through everything. So that's how we work as unto the Lord. Have you ever heard anybody say this? Nobody knows all the work I do around this place. I mean, I do everything around here. Nobody even notices. Nobody even cares. Yes, Christ cares. And we do everything for his glory. It doesn't matter if everybody sees what we're doing. It doesn't matter how people know how hard we work and how we've applied ourselves and accomplished the things in our lives. God knows. And he's going to bless those things when they're done with the right heart and the right motive, and that is to be pleasing to God and to bring glory to him. He will come alongside that hard work and that labor. He will come alongside and encourage you through it because you will sense His presence in your life. And that is a blessing, my brothers and sisters. Application. Please turn back a few chapters to Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10. Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10. And I want us to focus on verse 10 in our application. I certainly don't want anybody, after hearing these two messages, concerning work, to ever think that they can work so hard, truly hard in life, and earn any kind of favor with God. Jesus says in John chapter 15, verse 5, I am the vine. In other words, He is the source of strength. He's the source of goodness in our life. He's the source of everything that comes to us in a good way. You are the branches, he tells us. We, we, we're connected to Christ. We receive the blessings from the Lord. Instruction, correction. He gives us knowledge and wisdom. The verse goes on to say, He who abides in me and I in him. That is fellowship with Christ. That's a day-to-day walking with the Lord, being in His Word, praying, thinking about the Lord as we do whatever we do every day in our lives. The, The Scripture says, He bears much fruit. But it also says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So it doesn't matter how hard we work. It doesn't matter how hard we apply ourselves. What matters is the heart motive of what we do and why we do it. In Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10, we read, For by grace you have been saved. I remember as a new Christian, somebody always told me to look at the cross and say, God's riches at Christ's expense. That is the gospel. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that it's not of yourselves. It is a gift from God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. It's all of God. It's his gift to us. We cannot earn it, and we do not deserve it. This is where it all begins. Let's look at verse 10 and finish up. For we are His workmanship. It's the original uh, Greek language on this word workmanship is masterpiece. It's something special to God. We are His workmanship. We are special in the eyes of God. Created in Christ Jesus. This is the new man that we've been talking about. This is the new garments that we wear as believers in Christ. And we were created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Why am I so smart? Not me in particular. particular. Because God's given me that gift and ability. Why am I so strong? Because God has given me that strength. Why have I accomplished everything in life that I've put my mind to? Because God has come alongside me and given me the ability. It's all to the glory of God. He has before the foundation of the world given us gifts and abilities. He saved us and now He's using us in this life every day wherever we are for His glory and our good. We need to remember that as believers. To me that's encouraging. These Good works. It's abundantly clear in this passage. I lost my place, sorry. That we are saved, we are rescued by his grace through faith, and not a result of any kind of works. Our good works will not take us to heaven. However, if you are a new creation in Christ, they will follow you into heaven. Our good works in no way contribute to our salvation. However, our good works are a manifestation and the evidence of our salvation. These good works are the fruit of salvation that confirms and gives testimony to the work of God which he has accomplished in our lives. We are his workmanship. These good works are motivated by a new heart created in Christ Jesus, that desires to serve Christ and to bring Him glory, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them, that we would live in them. This concludes our message. Work a reflection of God's character. May we identify the gifts and abilities. This is the bring home. This is the assignment. This is the assignment for all of us. May we identify the gifts and the abilities God has given each one of us and work hard in whatever we do day in and day out and be a reflection of God's goodness to those around us.